0: What's up, Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast special, as this is Locked On Cincinnati. What is going on, Cincinnati sports fans? Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's Locked On Reds podcast. Today we've got a special episode as I am talking with Joe Goodberry and Jake Liskow of Locked On Bengals. Today is the first ever Locked On Cincinnati podcast. Before we jump in, I just want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Lockdown Reds podcast on all the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Himalaya. Also check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs and then head on over to LockdownReds.com for even more content. And a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. Hotels.com is a great way to book your next vacation. Without further ado, let's jump in to the first ever Locked On Cincinnati podcast.
1: All right, we're picking up with Jeff Carr and Joe Goodberry. We've got Locked On Cincinnati going. What's going on, fellas?
0: Who day?
2: And, right. what do what, what do Reds fans say, though?
0: Uh,
2: woo!
1: Maybe next year.
0: Yeah, woo! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Not maybe next
1: maybe year. Maybe next year. Um, year. No, there's this actual thing, the Great American ballpark that drives fans crazy where the woo starts going around, right? What's your thoughts on the woo there it is. What's your thoughts on the woo Jeff Carr?
0: I don't hate it. I really don't because like there's points in the game that it it gets a little quiet because it's not been well attended. So yeah. So when you got a couple people yelling, at least there's something going on.
1: Man, I remember going to Great American Ballpark back when I lived in Cincinnati. And I went to a game against the St. Louis Cardinals. I think the stadium was sold out. I don't remember what year this was, but somebody hit a walk-off home run, and that was that was pretty magical compared to what you see when you look out in the stands there today. It looks like there's about five thousand people at the ballpark, and it's it's a pretty likable team this year, even with with Derek Dietrich and you know Yasiel Puig when he's healthy. Nick Sanzel's up now. They're pitching well.
0: For sure, and and that's been the most surprising part's been the pitching. Like, everyone figured that this team would score a ton, and instead they're keeping everyone else from scoring, but they're just not scoring more than they give up. So that's where they sit right now. Like, everyone's talking about, and I'm sure you've gotten it on the football end to some extent, but there's very segregated camps when it comes to analytics versus not analytics versus you know the folks who don't like analytics yeah and people the the traditional folks just are so against analytics and the analytics say this team is going to get better But the traditional folks just keep rolling their eyes like, last place, last place. We don't want to hear about all this analytics stuff. They suck. They're terrible. We're done watching them. And it's like, dude, it's May. Like, it's
1: baseball. It's supposed to be fun. Have fun. Yeah. Sports are supposed to be fun, right,
2: Joe? Yeah. Yes. And I, you know, if you told me you got a bad team that has potential and they're pitching well. Uh, and they have hitters that aren't hitting well, but we know how that can go, right? Where you can get hot and be hot for a while. Well, they should be hitting better. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if they do, and if that happens, and they're still pitching
1: well, well, then that's how you go on a run and get right back into it pretty quickly. I mean, there's a Cy Young contender on the Reds for the first time since Johnny Cueto and I guess Aaron Harang. that one year. He led yeah. the league in strikeouts and wins.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good shout out. Um Good old Aaron Harang. Uh Luis Castillo has been nothing short of amazing. And that was the big question this offseason whenever they had the whole hashtag get the pitching and all that stuff. Is that everybody yeah. wanted them to go out and either get Dallas Keuchel, or there was a lot of rumors of them trading with the Indians and getting Corey Kluber for oh, that age Could eighth. you imagine? Oh man. Well and especially imagine now because he got smacked on the arm with a line drive and I think he's going to miss some time so that I guess been... it's hurt now yeah yeah but I mean in the grand scheme of things the whole deal was to find that guy and I think they found him in the house like I mean I'm sure there's a little bit of regression coming but at, at, right now Luis Castillo is just on top of the world when it comes to pitching
1: Well, in the expected stats, I think if you look at baseball savant, they're not expecting necessarily a ton of regression. So that's got to make you feel good if you're into any of that expected based on, you know, exit velocity, launch angle, swinging strike percentage, whatever it is. He looks good for all those things. Right.
0: And that's the one thing that has been so encouraging is that the analytical side of it says he's not been getting lucky because they've had a couple of guys that like Tanner Rourke, Tanner Rourke has good numbers, but... He's got some really lucky numbers as well. Like the the one thing that I keep looking at on both pitching and hitting is a stat called Babip, batting average on balls in play. And that is the most at least it's not the end all be all predictive stat, but as far as a peripheral goes, it's a good indicator on who's getting lucky and who's getting unlucky. And right now as a singular pitcher, Rourke is getting very lucky, and as a you know, lineup as a whole The Reds are super unlucky. The lowest team in the league by at least twenty points. And then the league average, and I'm saying all this because I was just thinking of it, so I looked it up, but they are um they're like almost forty points lower than league average. So it's gonna come up, they're gonna get better. Typical of a Cincinnati team, huh? Exactly. It's gonna be better than it already is. We just don't know when.
1: And 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 unlucky. (laughs) That's what I was going for.
0: Yeah, that too. Yeah.
1: Why? Have they been killed by injuries?
0: No, no. Just um, the way that the stats, uh, like all the analytics and stuff, just the way that the lineup has played, they're a lot better. And then Joey Votto, I mean, he's not this bad. He's batting 208. His career betting average is 308. Like, he's way better than this, and he's going to get better, too. I'm not. I, I, I'm a little worried about him, but I'm not like, all right, we need to move him down in the order, maybe even bench him. I'm, I'm definitely nowhere near that.
1: <laughs> Joe, I'm giving Can you, you hear space my baby? to jump in here. Yeah, uh, I was bad. letting you jump
2: in. You got to handle this one.
1: What are you talking about? You said you were going to talk about baseball. I am. Very
2: Is very he the guy that that's
0: from your hometown?
2: No, Jesse Winkers. Oh, Jesse Winkers. Okay, I was wondering. He's from Buffalo? He is from Niagara Falls, New York. All right, well, let's pick up there.
1: Let's let's start over and and get Joe involved a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, let's go. Let's talk Jesse. I love Jesse. Well, we're not starting over, but we're picking up. Right. So, Joe, you were teasing yesterday that there is a player from your hometown on the Cincinnati Reds, and that is your connection to Cincinnati baseball, and, and you, you wouldn't tell us who it was, and I don't right. know the ball enough, so who is it? It is,
2: Jesse, it is Jesse Winker, and he is from Niagara Falls, New York. That's where I live. That's where I've lived for 31 of my 32 years. Uh, I know some Winkers, and I did not know him as a child because uh, he's younger than me, obviously, but also because he moved away when he was 7 years old and went to Orlando, Florida. So we kind of claim him, but at the same time, I'm sure he claims Orlando
1: just as much. He was trying to run away from all that snow, I guess.
2: Uh, I think
0: many people would.
1: It's tough to make it as a baseball player from the northern part of the country. It is. It is. We've got a few, but yes, it is hard.
0: That's all right. I love the Wink, man. The Wink is the man because, I mean, it was even before his whole series with the Mets where he just kept waving goodbye to everybody after they won. That was hilarious. But when it comes to him, he's a guy that looks to be a centerpiece for the Reds for the for the foreseeable future, at least. Because his big draw this season was he can get on base a lot and maybe he can hit in the top of the lineup. But does he hit for power? Well, he's kind of flipped that on his head. There's some people complaining he's not getting on base enough, but he's hitting the home run. So it's like, you know, if you're Jesse Winker, you're like, what do I got to do? Like, I guess I just got to be awesome at everything, apparently.
1: But he, he I just got to be peak Joey Botto to satisfy <laughs> to satisfy <laughs> yeah. the fans. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. And then... Uh, They'll complain about how much you walk, but uh, that's neither here nor there.
2: <laughs> there was a time in my life where I loved baseball more than football, and that ended about 18 or 19 years old. I mean, I grew up playing baseball more than football, actually, and I was a pitcher and outfielder, and um, I love it. I, I coach right now when and my son's uh, nine years old, so that's as much baseball. But I haven't watched an MLB game in a long time since the Indians were in the World Series against the Cubs, so that's been a few years, right? Uh, because I am a... Uh, cleveland Indians fans sorry to tell you guys
0: no no animosity here
1: <laughs> it's much less of a baseball rivalry i mean i know they do the the two series a year whatever it is different the ohio leagues. but yeah they're they're in different leagues they they, they really like it, them playing each other has very little impact on a baseball season well yeah. and it, and oh sorry
2: no you're fine i was just going to say the cleveland cincinnati thing is just uh as far as that goes for the rivalry
0: yeah and really when the two teams like when the indians are really good the reds aren't and then when the reds are really good the indians aren't so they just never link up rivalry wise where it's like okay this is a tough one like you know what year you're just looking at a you know a long game between the two depending on which fan you are like i mean i i think of different rivalries the reds have like with the cubs and especially with the cardinals i mean When it comes to uh, rivalries, the Cardinals are the Steelers. So
1: (laughs) well, I think there's there's a little bit of that with the Pirates, at least lately. And that's the one place that the the fan base have an overlap of hatred and animosity for for another city is Cincinnati does not like Pittsburgh, and and the Pittsburgh Pirates in particular don't seem to like the Reds much more than the Steelers seem to care about the Bengals. I, I I think you would have to make a hard case to me that the Steelers actually care about the Bengals.
0: Yeah, and and that's kind of one thing where the Pirates, especially um, the last time the Reds were in the playoffs, it was the one game playoff and the Pirates won. So there's a little bit of hatred there. But then on the other end of the spectrum, both teams right now are at the cellar of the NL Central trying to get back up to the top. And there's, I'm trying to word this diplomatically, there's scrappiness with the pirates, mm-hmm. when it comes to the way that they play against the Reds, and there's a little bit of criticism toward the pirates manager and his whole, well, you know, you did something that we didn't like in that last play, so we're gonna throw at your head.
1: So I I, I don't I, I don't need to be diplomatic. Clint Hurdle is a headhunter. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I yes. mean the the guy the guy loves throwing at people. The pirates seems like every year lead in hitting the other team with pitches. And there's just not there's no action ever taken. And obviously, this year, there's that whole thing started with Chris Archer. and I mean, it's it's been such an ongoing trend for so long. And even I saw this week, I don't know if it was Doug Gray or somebody else put something up on Twitter of a minor leaguer in the Pittsburgh organization throwing behind a guy getting yeah. tossed. It probably wasn't Doug Gray. I don't think he would get to that level of politics, but Point is, it seems to be an organizational issue in Pittsburgh. And, and for Cincinnati fans, and including our listeners who are Bengals fans, it's really easy to say, man, Pittsburgh, bunch of bunch of dirty athletes, dirty organizations, we don't like him."
0: Yeah, so maybe even let's, um, I don't know if, how you feel about this, but maybe we'll segue a little bit back into the football. What do you think the Bengals' chances are? Should I go? to the Bengals steelers game at paul brown stadium this year you know aside from the fan interaction that's the one later
2: in the year right i think yeah well yeah okay they're, they're if it's later in the year
0: games. that answers my question but yeah yeah cause <laughs> is, that,
2: is the season over is it is it, is it still fun to go because i mean right, yeah, that's kind of hard to i I'd, I'd wait and see on that one but uh there are a few games, I think, that are at least interesting and fun or or that you think the Bengals could uh, pull off that I would uh, be interested. We went over the schedule and, you know, there's they play the NFC West, which I think any of those games could be fun and, and interesting. And then the AFC East, right, Jake? And uh, that's a bad division with the Jets, Bills, Dolphins at the bottom of it. So any of those games could be you know, wins potentially.
1: There, there should be some games that they win, especially at home. They play well at home. Here's a question for you, and, and kinda of we can combine it here. Have you have you looked at the schedules enough to know whether there's a weekend? And I know they generally avoid this, but if I wanted to combine a trip and see the Reds and the Bengals in the same trip to Cincinnati, is that a thing I can do? Or is that is that overlap not happening? Do we know regular season? No. I
0: didn't look at the preseason though. But I know oh, okay. that the the first uh couple of weekends I want to say, like, they just alternate. Like, the Bengals are home on the 8th, and then the Reds are home. That's what they usually do. Yeah. So, I think they know what they're doing. You know, fingers crossed if the Reds make the playoffs, then it does become a problem. But, uh, you know. A good problem. Yeah. How many
2: of you wouldn't like to go to a baseball game Saturday night and then a Bengals game Sunday morning?
0: Hey, uh as my wife can attest, we've done baseball and soccer in one day, so sure. we can uh, Oh I'd, yeah. I'd be all about baseball and football in one day. How long weekend. does
1: the FC Cincinnati schedule go? When does that season end? That's a long one. That
0: um I want to say their first home game was the same I think it was like a week before the opening day for the Reds, and then their playoffs don't start till
1: mid-October. So they're pretty much the entire baseball season.
0: You can do a full sports weekend.
1: That'd be fun. Get the get the Reds into the playoffs. Get all three games in one weekend—Friday, Saturday, Sunday—somehow.
0: And dare I say, the Bearcats football team is looking pretty good this year.
1: Really? Uh, I don't know if there's enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Just also, does Cincinnati. Cincinnati need to play in the same stadium as the Bearcats football team? That wouldn't there's
0: work. There's that too. They probably make sure that they don't overlap that.
1: I'm sure. Right. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll talk some more about football things. We started going there, but we do need to get our advertising in. So let's throw that in here and we'll be right back to talk about some more sports, some more Cincinnati stuff. We'll talk about chilly places. Maybe anyway, we'll be right back.
0: New game day shirt. Boom. Cashback food for the tailgate. And we are back with Locked On Cincinnati. Hey, everybody. This is your favorite son, Jeff Carr, from Locked On Res. I'm just kidding. I'm not your favorite son. Like, most of you haven't heard of me. You guys are listening to Joe Goodberry and Jake Liskow of the Locked On Bengals podcast, and I just happen to be tagging along. So, guys, we're back. Mostly Jake. Mostly Jake, yeah. So, real quick, before we jump into some
1: Bengals talk, which is better? Skyline or Gold Star. So here's the thing. Skyline sponsors the Reds and Gold Star sponsors the Bengals. Ironic, yes. However, Skyline hands down. Yeah. And if you're to ask the real chili buffs, they would say, What's the one in Mount Mount Washington? Is it? Yeah, uh what's that uh, other Camp Washington. Camp Washington, Jeff. Camp Washington. Oh, yeah. What's the other
0: place? Uh there's camp washing and there's blue ash there's
1: anyway there, there's yeah. other options too <laughs> that, that people will point to but for me it was always skyline growing up i went there every friday i've said on the podcast before for about 18 years with my family growing up and i've eaten a lot of skyline in my life
0: and quick beef too um <laughs> Skyline sponsors the Locked on Kentucky podcast. Definitely go check that out if you're a Kentucky fan, but they don't sponsor any of us. What is going on with that? Skyline, bring it in. So, alright Jake uh, firstly I will ask you this I read the other day, and it was talked about quite a bit, that the this year could see the Bengals win six games. I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but they predict the Bengals win six games, but that Andy Dalton has the best year of his career. Would that make you happy for
1: 2019? I would love it if Andy Dalton had the best year of his career. Uh, I, I think that topping 2015 for him will be pretty tough. I think that he is, however, on an upward trajectory. And last year, Joe and I, watching the first five games of the season, said, you know what? This might be the best Andy Dalton's actually ever played. Mm-hmm. And That's right. Joe did this project late last week or yesterday or whatever it was. Time is a construct that's very confusing. I'm on a long weekend right now. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Joe did this thing where he went through and said, here's how Andy Dalton's graded using pro football focus and his stats, like quarterback rating. Yeah, QBR and quarterback rating, two different things. Okay, the different quarterback (laughs) ratings, fair enough. And here's how, you know, the offensive line is performed in that same time. The wide receivers, the other positional groups on the Bengals. And for the most part, it was fully correlated They They were the same, you know, when Andy Dalton went up, the rest went up or when others went up, Andy Dalton came with them. Like he, he just kind of followed the trend. And last year, it was the first time that Andy Dalton had a better year and everyone else was on a downtrend.
2: Yeah, so that was very year. Than his offensive line and a better year than his receivers. That was the first time in his career he has been better than both. Which I think, you know, I didn't know this before because you like you said, when we were watching last year, we said, Wow, he's doing things he's never done before. He, look at look look what he's doing here. This isn't something we've seen often, very rarely, but in the past I've said I thought that was the best version of himself. And it was maybe Um, he had to be because of the issues on the offensive line. And because I think the offense as a whole was stagnant and in some ways they found ways to, to be creative because everyone was healthy to to start the year. But, uh, I think in a Zach Taylor offense, if this is a Rams offense, I think it will highlight his skills and highlight his abilities in terms of play action, passing, being under center, things that he wasn't good at the first two or three years. I remember talking about this and I may have talked about it with you, Jake. I remember conversations and about. Um, originally when they were going to like a run first offense in 2014, when players were getting hurt and we were saying, you know, he really, this isn't his strength for Andy Dalton. And then it ended up being where he's found his most success since then from 15, 16, 17 and 18 under center and, in um off play action. Andy Dalton has been the best version of himself. That's what you should expect in a Ram style offense in Cincinnati. And if that happens, if that comes and one day in the OTAs, I've got no reason to believe that's not coming. And if it does, I think there's a very good chance he has his best statistical year. Now, does that mean he plays uh, better? Well, I don't know, but I, I think production-wise, he should at least have one of his best years.
1: So, so this was a question though: is if Andy Dalton has his best year and they somehow win only six games, is that a good year for the for the Bengals? How do they win those six? Who do they beat? Right? Is it? Well, they... but this is Andy Dalton playing his best. His best year in our eyes. This is Joe and Jake evaluate and say, you know what, that's the best Andy Dalton's ever played and they only won six games. What? what how that, do we feel about that? Did that happen last year? Or do we think they would have won maybe eight if he would have stayed
2: healthy those final handful of games? You know, so it is a very similar thing. As soon as they got to the Chiefs game and the Saints game and they lost, we said, this, it doesn't matter. It, Andy Dalton can play at his best year. He got to those games, he didn't do anything. The offense didn't do anything. The team didn't do anything. They turned into the exact... Thing we're afraid of and that's when they get into primetime games or against good teams and they fold and so we said this team is exactly who we thought they were and it didn't matter how good Andy Dalton was in my opinion so if that happens again and they're folding to these good teams then it doesn't matter and they're still the same team they've always been but if they can put up a fight against those teams if they can go toe-to-toe with the Steelers if they can go toe-to-toe with a team like the like the Chiefs and the Saints then I'll feel much better about it and say all right six wins but you know what I feel differently about how this roster is constructed and mentality and them going forward. Now, if they're picking top eight on a six win year, I'm still going to feel the same way I always do. If a quarterback's
1: there and it's one you think is worthy, you take him. And that's almost never the case. I'll say that he would have to be better than his 2015 self, because even though he started doing things that he never did last year, his 2015 was still his best year. Yeah. Because of production wise in the receiving core. Well, well he, was, he was, he was also up. better. I mean, he had a better supporting cast around him, but he was, right. he was making things happen. He wasn't missing throws. I mean, no, I he's think, missing some throws. but I think 2018 was better in 2015. And I, I think don't. the
2: production didn't match in 2018 and 2015 because Eifert got hurt, because they didn't have Marvin Jones and, had, and instead had um, John Ross. And those things took a big hit, and the offensive it, line wasn't as good. So we had it, to make things happen differently.
1: If you wanted to sell me on his first five games of two thousand eighteen were better than his entire two thousand fifteen, maybe I would buy it. But he he was the same roller coaster after those five games. I I think. agree. And You're so, not wrong. So, so. I would
2: well, imagine that's Andy Dalton in that offense from the first five games, and everyone stays healthy because we know that's what happened in twenty fifteen. These, these guys yeah. all stayed healthy until Dalton got hurt. Week fifteen was it? Is in that range? So if that would have continued, I had no doubt in my mind he would have put up numbers where his completion percentage was lower. And that's something that I think was a, a, a you know a result of the offense they were running. But besides that, I think stat-wise we would have looked at it and said easily a standout year for him.
1: So you ask us a simple question, Jeff, and you get a seven-minute answer. There you go. Hey, I'm that's okay with
0: it. it. I'm okay <laughs> with that. Uh, sticking with the offense, and this is something um, almost more personal. I don't know how many people actually care about this, but... I personally do. In your own estimation, what is a good year this year for John Ross?
2: That's a good question, right? Because they need him to be good. It's not just that we want him to be because he's the number nine overall pick. I think even though AJ Green and Tyler Boyd have definitely solidified themselves as a number one and number two, both guys currently, as we speak, are in the final year of their deal. And because of it, the Bengals need to make decisions. Hopefully, they sign both and keep both. And they have a great receiving core because we see also in that chart that I did, the the better the receiving core is, the better Andy Dalton's numbers are. And I think the team knows that. And everyone's aware of that. You surround him with A-plus talent, and he's going to play well or at least produce well. So if if John Ross is who we think he can be, and honestly, I think he can be a very, very good starting receiver. And if he is that, uh, this is a dynamic trio that probably can top any in the league, in my opinion, if Ross hits that stride. If not, if he's just Ted Ginn Jr., I still think that can be a very dynamic offense. And now you look at it and you say, well, now then we're kind of forced to keep Boyd and Green if he's just Ted Ginn. Uh, And you let Ross write out his contract. But if Ross turns into Deshaun Jackson in this year, then you say, well, and they may not be afforded this opportunity, right? They may resign Boyd and Green. But if they don't, they may say, well, we're, we can afford to let A.J. Green go, as sad as that sounds, or franchise him for one year, right, and extend it one more season and try and keep it together.
1: I think that that makes me think of a, two, a couple things, that, that question. One, John Sheeran at CincyJungle.com has a cool piece up right now on how John Ross can become the Brandon Cooks equivalent. And he takes a look at some of the things that L.A. did and some of the things that Ross can do. Yeah. and tried to translate, okay, here's the screens, here's the jet sweeps, here's where you put them in the slot and you get them running across the field in the middle, you get that free release. And he, and he even did that in the red zone on one play on a touchdown last year. And sinks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, before it was a blowout. <laughs> right. The um, the other thing that makes me think of it is jo- John Ross tweeted today something about a different kind of confidence or a new kind of confidence and you just love to see that it's been one day of OTAs and and John he's Ross feeling, is good. feeling good. I mean that's huge because we we he we know that he's got this this documented history of struggling with the mental aspect, with the pressure, with depression, anxiety, whatever you want to call it. If he's feeling good, well maybe some of those concentration drops you know start to go 100%. out of his game that that you didn't see out of him at Washington. Maybe you start to see him. You know, keep the effort up on the plays where you know Marvin Lewis would have been on him before, and now he's 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 got no fear. He he just he's feeling good. He's feeling confident. So you hope that that means a that that translates to some of the concentration stuff on the field, and two b I guess that means he likes what is installed for him and he sees yeah. it working. And maybe it is those jet sweeps, those you know play action screens where he he gets constructed space and then he just gets to use his speed and you you know you get 10 free yards here 10 free yards there because of the scheme yeah. and and if that's coming over and you can go look at that john sharon piece for some really good examples of these plays there's no reason he can't be brandon cooks i mean he might not be as polished as brandon Cooks, so maybe you say a good year for john ross is like 900 yards from scrimmage not just receiving yards mm-hmm. five touchdowns you, you sure. feel pretty damn good about that and I think even less than that
2: would be good. Because remember, if he is the third receiver all year, let's say the other guys stay healthy. They haven't recently, and even if they missed a couple games, and Ross included. Uh, and if Eifert's healthy for most of the year, then yeah, he may fair. be the fourth option. We all hope Joe Mixon gets involved in the passing game way yeah. more than he has the first two years. And if that happens, what if Ross only has 32 catches for 550 yards and four touchdowns? Is that a down year because he had seven TDs last year? I, I think the evaluation is more important than the production this year yeah. for John Ross, because there were things production wise where I was a lot, I was happy, in a, in a lot of games as being a, a low end target where, man, he, you know, this, he had a big catch against the Ravens for a touchdown and I don't want to see anything else. I don't really care. That was a great, was a great game great just because of that. Mm-hmm. Right. That so evaluation wise, if I see him make these plays, if I see him be a weapon in this offense, that's functioning. Now if the, if the offense is struggling and he's only catching two passes for 25 yards, then we're going to have questions. But the offense, if it's moving and it's productive, and Ross is just a role player, but a special one, a one one that can do the what the other guys can't do, then I think everyone can be happy with that As long as the evaluation matches up, and we don't see the stupid drops or the or the effort issues or just the uh, inability to get him the ball the way that the offense should. And I think if all that happens in a
1: positive way, I think everyone walks away happy and remember. The Rams were on pace to have three 1,000-yard receivers last year before, what's his Cooper name, Cut. the white guy got hurt.
2: Yeah, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. yeah. Right.
1: yeah. Uh, and, and they didn't have a tight end that's going to command the sort of targets that Tyler Eifert, ball, especially in the red zone. And it'll be really interesting to see how they're going to use Tyler Eifert. But they did have a running back that got a ton of touches a game. Yep. And the Bengals are expected to have that now as well. Although maybe Zach Taylor, you hope has learned from maybe running Todd Gurley into the ground the way that the Rams did last year, and you hope that they have enough depth at running back to certainly avoid That's the that thing. Debate. Yeah, um, there there is a possibility for Ross to get those touches. You hear the players today talking about everything's going faster. They're they're adapting to the speed of practice, which you hope translates to the speed of games. And if the offense is better, well, they're going to get more plays in. And if the defense is better which Carlos Dunlap? I mean, he, he's a confident guy. Every year you hear him say that we're going to be good. We're going to be a better unit. But, you know, today he said we're, we're not going to come out the same way on defense. Well, th- there's reason to believe that, that there's a higher ceiling for Ross. But you do make a good point, though. the evaluate uh, The evaluation, I, I agree, is definitely more important than the stat line at the end. But you hope that the big thing is you hope that he has a higher catch percentage Yep. You hope that he has more catchable passes and fewer yes. drops because the biggest issue for him last year was how many balls were thrown to him that were just nowhere close. Yep. I think it, was 50% if that yeah. catchable and passes, which
2: is really, really low for a guy struggling to, with his own confidence and self-worth, I think in, the, in this offense, uh, getting uncatchable targets is a killer. It's like being double teamed or chipped constantly as a pass rusher. And then you finally don't. And you're like, oh, I should have gave him a full effort on that one. I actually had a chance. And we say, well, professionals should, should always be given 100%. Come on. they are also humans that They're are out humans. there running yeah. 70 plays yeah. a game. Um, if you don't think you're getting the ball or if you don't think you have a chance to actually rush the pass, you may not do it. So uh, I think it was a bad mix. And I was surprised at the times he did find a way to only catch one ball for a touchdown. I'm like, man, you know, all of a sudden he looks like a completely different guy in the red zone uh, as if that confidence was there. And I hope that bleeds over into the entire
0: offense. Jake kind of mentioned it with his, talking about Carlos Dunlap's comments. And uh, this is definitely going to be something to unpack and probably something that just can't be answered on this podcast, at least, you know, to everyone's satisfaction. But given the massive overhaul of the defense how do they get better this year
1: we we, we've been asked about the defense a few times and every time we get asked we say we we have no idea what to expect because Lou Anarumo and the rest of the coaches have no track record and so how how do they get better well they they stop getting exploited over the middle of the field they stop putting guys in disadvantageous islands Just end up leading to guys running free in space, you know. Maybe they 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 certainly have some communication issues. I think to clean up, and they got better as Marvin Lewis took over. But under Terrell Austin, it seemed like there was a lot of confusion, finger um, pointing, lot of complexity, and yeah, there 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 certainly wasn't the cohesiveness that you like to see out of a defensive unit. So those would be the things that need to get better. As for what they're going to do schematically. Well, we have Kat Terrell coming on tomorrow. Hopefully we can ask her what she's seeing out of these OTAs. And I'm going to add health because if yeah. you can keep um, two
2: guys that aren't practicing in OTAs right now, but when they come back in camp and if they're healthy, I think same same draft. So they're going in their third year, Carl Lawson and, and Ryan Glasgow, the way Lawson played as a rookie and started the season, the way Glasgow really started last year until he got hurt in the Panthers game. I thought, man, these are quality players that can give you good minutes. Now I think uh uh, Carl Lawson can be a premier edge rusher for them. So I, I, different tiers I'm talking here, but I think Glasgow can be a really good number three defensive tackle that can help you out a lot. And if those guys are healthy, your defensive line goes from being okay. And Jake and I have talked about this on the lockdown Bengals a bunch. You need that third part of the triangle. You need that third guy in the Trinity of a pass rush to really help out the other two. And they got Atkins and Dunlap, but when it when they're when they've in years passed when that guy's been hurt or they've lost Michael Johnson when he went to the Bucks for the one year or that or it's been a rotation of that third guy they've really struggled and you there'd be games and moments and drives where you wonder where Dunlap and Atkins are it's because they're missing that third guy it's 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 really important to defenses no matter how good these guys are uh, and then you go and look and they had injuries injuries all throughout the cornerback position last year and linebackers, of course, every year it seems like, but uh, you hope if at the very least Nick Vigil, who I think is their best linebacker when healthy and if Preston Brown's healthy at least gives them stability of some sort at the inside linebacker position. We don't have to get, we don't see Hardy Nickerson running around there. Cause I think that was a big issue last year. And then whoever the third linebacker may be, if it's Jermaine Pratt or not um, health would go a long way. And we say that for the offense too, uh, you roll that dice every year. I think it can be very random, and you hope that uh, you know you flip a coin and it lands on heads this year or tails, whatever you call. But anyways, point
1: being, you hope they're much healthier. Tails Reuben hurt. Foster today, yes. bad knee injury. Exactly right.
2: Yeah, sort of. I think I do. I
1: don't know. He's kind of uh, one of those guys you don't root for. <laughs> no, you don't. But you never root for injury for guys, and you don't. it's always it's always it's you know it's, it's a, a reminder Third, that third stop the camp yeah he yeah. blew up his knee you could basically put all these numbers of
2: uh, of bengals players on a random number generator stop it five times and lose those guys for the year and that's basically what you should expect
1: yep they, yeah. they had a lot of acl injuries last year too i think they have nine guys or something rehabbing from acls most of them at home i
2: tracked injuries last year and he's either at practice or at paul brown stadium
1: yeah, yeah. um Let's let's do a couple Cincinnati things and then we'll wrap up. Jeff, where'd you go to high school?
0: I it's funny because I actually started high school up in Middletown, Middletown Christian, and then I moved to Kentucky. So I don't even I yeah, kind of Cincinnati I, high school to hang your hat on. Yeah, I kind of killed that question. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that you a go? thing?
1: Is that a, is that a question for uh... that's a it's Cincinnati a, thing, man? Yeah. You meet people in Cincinnati that are from Cincinnati. Where'd you go to high school? Mm. They'll be like, what's guy... your name? Where'd you go to high school? <laughs> yeah. I met a guy uh, up here who, he plays video games, and he plays World of Warcraft. Wait, like with... uh, for a job? What? No. no. Like for a
2: job? No, no,
1: no. Oh, he I... just
2: plays video games like everyone yeah, else?
1: Yeah, in, in his pastime. He, and he plays oh. World of Warcraft with these okay. guys from Cincinnati. And I tell him right now, text your buddies from Cincinnati. You ask them where they went to high school and what chili they eat and and they all got a kick out of it because that's a huge cincinnati thing so i thought we'd just do some cincinnati things and be like where'd you go to high school well, i'm but from a much guess, smaller that game. city where we had one high school
2: and everyone went there
1: oh Great. yeah and
2: right.
0: that was that that was the funny thing about living in kentucky they where i lived at i lived in berea and that was county high schools so like everyone went to the same one unless you drove a half an hour in
1: one direction (laughs) right there's some big big high schools in northern kentucky though oh yeah yeah up there in northern i was about um about an
0: hour and a half hour and 45 minutes probably hour and 45 minutes the way i drive it was an hour and a half but uh south of cincinnati so it was it was even further south of lexington and all that different stuff so
2: yeah and and not to say my high school is small either i graduated with a thousand kids there was at at one point nearly five thousand kids in the high school dang so it was a big high school they just made everyone in the city go to one high school
1: that's a big that's a quite big school yeah i would say so
0: well i got a cincinnati question for you guys there we go udf
1: udf or graders Joe, do you know UDF and graders? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, no. Uh, Joe, no. you got to spend more time in Cincinnati, my friend. <laughs> uh, all right. It's all
0: about ice cream.
1: All about ice so cream. Here, here's the thing. Uh, for for shakes, obviously UDF. Right? Oh,
0: yeah. Chocolate they malt. Have, Can't go wrong.
1: They, they have the malt, yeah. But my dad, when he was still in the business, was – In business with Graders and help them out with producing their black raspberry chip ice cream. Oh, 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 yeah. I actually actually worked at Graders one winter break during their Christmas shipping season. Jake was a fat child. I was working at Graders. (laughs) I still am. (laughs) Uh, And... The most notable, there are two, two notable things happened while I was working at Graders. Well, actually three. One, I had to wake up before five in the morning every day to get down there to get to work. And that was miserable. Two, the guys I was working with had been doing it for so long. The way that they ship Graders is they put dry ice in a styrofoam box. They put the ice cream over it and then they seal the box. And then when the person receives it, everything's still frozen They leave it open, the dry ice sublimates or whatever and turns into gas and it's easy to dispose of. The guys, you don't touch dry ice with your bare hands, obviously, because it's extremely cold. And the guys that I was working with there that have been doing this for who knows how long have been handling dry ice so long that all the nerve endings in their fingers were just dead. (laughs) They would just hold dry ice in their bare hands. I'd be wearing three pairs of gloves. My hands would still be getting cold. Man and uh the last thing notable about that job is uh does that lead right into our epco safety sponsor that tomorrow oh uh, right, tomorrow, <laughs> guys. The, the, the last thing about that job that was notable is matt hasselbeck every year doesn't order a ice cream for uh for christmas and oh, we yeah. filled his order. That, that was the one that's the only one i remember matt hasselbeck he i think was a mint chocolate chip guy i think or maybe it was black raspberry chip i can't remember well sound good that's awesome. Yeah, yeah yeah, for graders, black raspberry chip. That's I'll I'll tout the family business there just a little bit, even though we're not in it anymore. My dad's retired. Dad, I hope you're enjoying your retirement. I know you listen every day. Uh but graders. Puzzle's up. Um What about you? Oh,
0: I'm it's funny you mentioned the difference between like If I want a malt, I want to go to UDF. If I want ice cream, I want to go to Grater's. And that's just one thing that, like, I never, when I go to UDF, I always look at, you know, they got the flavors all laid out. You know, got, like, Superman and all the really colorful ones that you're not even sure if they actually have a flavor to them. They just look cool. But I always look at all of them, and I'm like, large chocolate malt. (laughs) <laughs> when i go to graders man i'm like oh man i'll pick that one this time next time i'll go to that one which black raspberry chip i mean you can't go wrong with that they had a new one though uh it was really good oh it was a s'mores they had a s'mores one here recently that was just bomb. That sounds
1: nice. yeah it, they, it, was, they... it was good they did a uh, Buckeye Blitz. Is that still a flavor they have? They did the Buckeye Blitz when I was working there, and I remember I really liked that one because there's peanut butter cups in it. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. And, and what about nuts. Skyline and Gold Star for you? Oh, Skyline. Skyline all, right. all the way. And, well, uh, now that we have that important business out of the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were going to throw in some other remarks. Well, I was going to cool say,
0: I, I do like blue. I like blue-ass chili quite a bit, too. But they got... It's funny because you go to Skyline, you know exactly what you want. Blue Ash is the kind of place that you actually go in and you look at the menu for a half a second to figure it out. But Skyline, I don't even touch a menu. I sit down and the lady's like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "Three ways." Your order. Three way, two conies, everything. Sometimes I like to mix in the habanero cheese, and uh, it depends on how healthy I'm being. If it's a Mountain Dew or if it's a water. There
1: you
2: <laughs> go.
0: I oh, because the a...
2: water's going
1: to tip the scales in the healthiness. I exactly, well, it makes hey. a pretty big difference. <laughs> oh. <you're talking> about <laughs> you, man. you know, every the every little carbonated pits. drinks are very bad for you. It's this guy's drinking things. water every day. The little hey, things. man, I got my Nalgene here. Got my leader. Uh, send you a box of coffee. Uh, I don't drink coffee, Joe. That's why yeah. I'm gonna send it. To okay, you. now I'm with I'm Joe waste on this. Base coffee one. on me. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Arthritis uh i did have a sip of a vietnamese coffee today it doesn't really taste like coffee it's made with condensed milk it's extremely sweet that sounds exactly like something you would do it wasn't mine anyway uh maybe maybe joe we gotta joe and i are gonna try to get to cincinnati for a football game this year maybe we'll have to do a chili tour check out blue ass chili and skyline chili because i haven't done
2: any of it i haven't had any of the chili
1: my yes. order at Skyline is typically it's a three-way and three conies, no mustard, no onion. Although sometimes I like to leave out the hot dog and just do the chili cheese sandwiches. Those are pretty nice. They're chili pretty
0: cheese, nice. You got chili cheese sandwiches and then you got uh, chilitos. Shout out oh, to – Oh, I
1: haven't tried those either and I want to. Yep. Next time I got to try one.
0: Shout out to the former host of both of these podcasts, James Payne. That's his, <laughs> his, his deal. That he his loves thing? the chilitos. There you go. I would like
2: to say for our
0: listeners that both
2: are the gentlemen here besides me have really nice beards.
0: I actually just trimmed mine here a little bit ago. I was trying to look nice. Uh, had a good. Oh, is that it? Had a good podcast guest the other day. I got to meet, so I was, you know, trying to look a little nice for him. We should start out. describing our
1: guests for the uh,
2: listeners, since we can see each other on video.
1: Yeah. Well, not always. Jeff, I think, is our first guest, and we we've done a video with. That's right. Yeah. I just wish I do it
2: for visual cues.
0: Nice. Yeah. I so just, thanks for that, Jeff. I just wish I actually had, whoa, hit the microphone there. I just wish I actually had something to look at behind me except the white wall. But, you know, it's what it is. You guys both look like you're in your
2: closets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I
1: actually am <laughs> in a closet. <laughs> you got all the awesome,
0: fun. like, comics and stuff behind you. That's what's up.
1: That's what's up. Uh, thank you. Joe has his office. All right, guys, let's wrap it up there. This has been a Locked On Cincinnati podcast. I know
0: I had a blast putting that together, and hopefully we get to do that again, maybe closer to football season, maybe as the the baseball season has wound down a bit. But looking forward to talking to them more. Locked On Cincinnati, that was a great idea. We're going to keep that rolling. So anyway, that'll do it for the Locked On Reds podcast here. On Tuesday, tomorrow, we're going to recap the series opener with the Milwaukee Brewers and I got a few thoughts that I want to get off of. Well, I about to get off my chest. You don't get thoughts off your chest. Get off my mind. I'm going to get a few thoughts off my mind tomorrow. Until then, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Himalaya. Check us out on Twitter at Locked Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's and head on over to LockedonReds.com. For hotels.com and for lockdown bangles, this has been on Cincinnati. And I'm Jeff Carr, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Hey Prime Members.